the mercenary lifestyle. You can expect to visit dangerous locales, meet with shifty clientele, and enjoy an almost constant threat of death. For Dell and his crew, they wouldn't want it any other way. Tales of the Void presents Slip Space Blues. Dell, would you get up already? The voice grated on Dell's ears. He'd done well to ignore it this long, but the problem wouldn't solve itself. Mouse, I will throw you off the ship. Dell threatened sleepily from his bed. You wouldn't throw me off. You like me too much. Besides, I'm not on the ship. Mouse responded smugly from the large wall screen. Just because you're at home... Dell said as his one robotic hand clumsily grasped at the dresser next to his bed. Doesn't mean I can't shoot the screen quiet. Not again! The video feed clicked off and gave Dell the silence he craved. A smile crept across his face as he slowly drifted back to sleep, until an endless loop of hertronic metal filled his room. Dell's hands shot up to cover his ears as he kicked the sheets off himself. I'm up! I'm up! The music played for a few more seconds before shutting off. Dell stood up in nothing but a pair of brightly colored boxers and glared at the image of his young tech operator. Mouse's face filled most of the screen, but Dell could still see the tips of his high-colored shirt peeking out. The kid was always trying to start the next big fashion statement. More often than not, he ended up failing, but his poor outfit choices usually brought Dell a few laughs. Today was not one of those days. What have you got? He asked, still glaring at Mouse's enlarged face. I saw a job cross the boards a few hours ago and snagged it for us. Dell's metallic hand came up to massage his forehead. Mouse, you've got to stop taking jobs without my consent. If I have to put up with another Avdarian 4, I'll have a mutiny on my hands. Don't worry, you'll like this one. Probably, he added hopefully. That's what you said about Avdarian 4. It'll be different. Mouse responded enthusiastically, I swear, I picked up the bounty on Glinjik Ka. Mouse waited for a reaction, but Dell just waved his hand for Mouse to continue. Any recognition of the famous criminal absent from his bored expression. Right. I've sent the data to your handheld. I figured you'd want to go over it before letting the rest of the crew know. Forget that. Just send it to him now. Mouse hesitated. I really think you should go over it. They're going to find out soon enough. Might as well get it over with now. Dell rummaged around his room, looking for a pair of pants that were at least mildly clean. Mouse sighed and deftly struck the keys at his desk. Okay, it's sent. Don't say I didn't warn you. What's that? But Mouse was gone when Dell looked up. Little shit, he said to himself as he gave a pair of pants the sniff test. Since he didn't immediately pull away in disgust, he considered them clean enough and slipped them on. 
A plain t-shirt and a worn set of boots completed the day's outfit. He stepped out into the hallway and directly into a screen displaying the mugshot of Glinjek Ka. Ah! He yelped in surprise as his body reflexively leapt backwards. What the hell? Zainab lowered the tablet down to her side. The colorful kameez and dupada she wore greatly contrasted with the angry glare she gave him, a sight he saw much more often than he thought was necessary from a subordinate. You going to explain this? She demanded coldly. That's a job, Del said, countering her attitude with a bit of his own. You see, Zainab, we have to work to earn money. And then with that money, we... I don't need an explanation about how a job works, Delmar. What I need is an explanation for why you thought it was a good idea to pick this job specifically. She stormed into his room, backing him up against the wall with her temper. One job's the same as the next, Del said, trying to maneuver himself around her. What's your problem with this one? The problem, she said, blocking Del's escape, is who the contract's on. She shoved the tablet into Dell's chest forcefully and waited. Dell resisted the urge to shout her down and scrolled through the tablet. Mouse had a talent for organizing, so much so that Dell only needed a quick glance to realize why Zainab was so angry. I'm gonna kick Mouse's ass. What does Mouse have to do with this? Isn't it the captain's responsibility to select the jobs? Dell didn't like what Zainab was insinuating, but before he could unload his frustration on her, the sound of boots stomping through the hallway drew their attention. Rail's large reptilian form filled the doorway as he entered the room. The half-grin on his scaled face told Dell all he needed to know. I'm glad you finally picked something fun to do, Dell. He said cheerily. I'm sick of all the delivery jobs we've been on. I'm here to hit things, not move them. Don't sell yourself short, Rail. You're our number one box lifter. We couldn't do those jobs without you, Dell joked. The pair had been friends for years, starting when Dell joined Rail's squad in the Solar Guards. I'm just telling you now, if I have to spend one more day in the hold moving stuff around, I'll open up the bay doors while in orbit, just to shake things up. Rail's tail stiffened and his body shuddered, like a chill had crept up his spine, a sure sign that his symbiotic partner Barnick had taken over the body. We didn't come here to chit-chat, Delmar, Barnick said haughtily. The job you've taken on is absolutely unacceptable. This character you expect us to chase after is not only the most dangerous villain we've seen, but he is steeped in a planetary political quagmire so convoluted I don't even want to attempt to describe it. To put it simply, this job is suicide for us, both as an organization and as living beings. Thank you, Barnek, Zainab said, not bothering to look away from Dell. I'm glad you're around here to help me as a voice of reason. It is my pleasure, Zainab. Barnick bowed slightly towards her, which would have been more noticeable if he hadn't already been ducking his head to fit into Dell's room. I'm so glad both of you are on the same page, Dell said, not bothering to hide his annoyance. But how about we call the rest of the ship over to the bridge, so don't worry about it, Captain! A bubbly voice shouted from behind Rail. I already grabbed Swift! Rail awkwardly stepped around the others to make room for the two new arrivals. He took a seat on Dell's bed, which responded with an audible crack. Rail shrugged his shoulders at Dell as a way of apology. It didn't seem particularly heartfelt to Dell. Have you read the summary, Eve? Zainab asked as she moved to fit the new arrivals. The room was tight before. With the addition of the other two, it felt like the walls were rapidly closing in. Everyone did what they could to open up some space, 
but the constant movement just added to the problem and forced Dell into the center of his crew. Oh yeah, I went over it on the way down with Swift. Is it true this guy's wanted by both Nassant and Zolan Shore? Absolutely correct, dear, Barnack answered. Eve whistled out in appreciation, unintentionally exhaling into Dell's face. He must feel pretty honored. His bounty is probably the only thing those two plants have agreed on in 20 years. Yeah, Rail rumbled out. Makes you wonder what the guy is capable of. Can't wait to find out for myself. His tail flicked around excitedly, grazing Dell's back and pushing him into Swift. Sorry, was all Dell grumbled out as he stepped back. Swift nodded politely in response. You would say that, Rail, Zynab said loudly into Dell's ear. Why don't you listen to your better half for a while? Maybe he'll be able to explain to you why this is such an ill-conceived, dangerous, and all-around... But her tirade was cut off by a booming voice. Enough! Dell shouted out. First thing you're all going to do is stop talking. If I hear one more word out of anyone, I'll blast you onto the first asteroid we see with nothing but the air in your lungs. He looked around the room, silently daring anyone to test him. But no one spoke. With some silence to think, Dell felt his initial anger begin to recede. Next, I want you all out of my room and on the bridge. I'll be there in 10 to answer any complaints, he directed towards Zynab specifically, you have about our current job. Zynab opened her mouth to say something, but Dell caught her off with a finger. And not a moment sooner. Now get out! Dell's crew rapidly exited the room, leaving only Rail behind. He looked at Dell and lifted the ridge above his eyes slightly. Much was conveyed to Dell in that small gesture, and he responded with his own. A thumbs up and a sly grin. Rail gave him a quick nod, content that his friend's outburst was more for show than anything. The door closed as he left, and left Dell to enjoy the silence of his vacated room. He slipped into bed to catch a few minutes of sleep before he reconvened with his crew. Dell walked onto the bridge 30 minutes late. His relaxed smile was met by Zynab's glare, but hers was the only one. Shoot! Eve cried out loudly, placing a pair of coins in the Swift's outstretched hand. Rail mimicked the motion with a larger stack. Dang, Swift! You nailed it! He gave both his patrons a nod before silently stuffing the coins into his bag. What was that about? Dell asked while taking his seat next to Eve at the center console. Though he was the captain, Dell preferred working from the radar and comms. He believed it made it easier for him if he didn't have to bother flying the ship and plan everything out at the same time. We were betting on when you'd get up, Eve said with a bit of light-hearted annoyance in her voice. I was sure you would have gotten here earlier. I didn't think you'd get up for another hour, Rail said without any prompting. Dell turned to face Rail and fixed him with a disapproving look. Wow, you've really got no respect for me as a captain, do you? I'd respect you more if I hadn't spent all those years saving your ass from every barroom brawl you weasel yourself into. Dell felt the need to defend his pride as captain, but Rail's insult did hold a grain of truth. Several of them if Dell wanted to be honest with himself, which he didn't. You never saved me from a fight I couldn't probably have won. Besides, at least all those fights kept the slow days interesting, Dell said smugly. Rail just shook his head in response. Ignoring all of that, Dell continued, you two bet against a man that is not only telepathic, but is capable of clairvoyance. How does that seem like a good idea? 
You can't be right every time, Rael said dismissively. Before Dell could argue the ignorance of that particular point, Zynib butted in. If you're all done wasting time, I believe we have a mission to discuss. Zynib's attitude clearly hadn't improved since their earlier discussion. Like most days, Dell ignored the unhappy young woman's insult and charged onward. Right we do, Zynib. Thanks for getting us back on track, he said, hoping to placate her. The growl that followed proved its ineffectiveness. He turned back to his computer, mouthing a silent wow to himself as his hands moved rapidly over the keys in front of him. A 3D image of their target, along with a scrolling window of all the information they had on him, popped up in the center of the room from the cabin's hollow projector. The image spun around slowly, giving a full 360 view of their target. He was a pale-skinned alien with a thin crop of graying hair on top of his large, ovular head. Almost a dozen pointed teeth stuck out of his mouth at various angles. His arms and legs were exceptionally thin, covered in a set of lean muscle. Dressed in an oversized prison shirt with matching pants, he seemed more an unfortunate junkie than the infamous saboteur-slash-terrorist that he was. Dell left his chair and stood beside the projection as it continued its slow spin. Glenjek Ka is a global terrorist, Dell said in beginning his explanation of the job, that hires himself out to whatever organization can afford him. His most recent escapades took him to Nassant and Zolan Shore, where he ended up working both sides. They've kept their feud contained within their system almost four generations, Eve blurted out. Why bother hiring an extraplanetary now? I bet it was for tips on new ways to kill each other. Wanted to mix things up a little, Rail answered. I doubt that's the real reason, Zynab said quickly. Rail raised the ridge over his eye at her in response. While that look held many different meanings and interpretations, this time it conveyed something along the lines of, you'd be surprised what people will do to hurt one another. The real reason they employed him, she continued ignoring Rail, is because he's not a local. Glinjek made himself a reputation working for the Kleptian Alliance as an urban saboteur before going rogue. Rumors were he was capable of throwing a city's population into a panic practically overnight. I expect his employers tasked him with using his skills to sabotage their enemy in ways that they would never be prepared for. I still can't believe we're allowed to do that kind of stuff, Eve said mystified. We're not allowed to do anything like that, Dell explained. Class 3 outfits are allowed to hire out for war duty. We're only Class 1. As the most recent addition to the crew, Eve often found herself grasping to learn all the rules that followed her new mercenary position. Oh, right, she said, feeling foolish. Don't worry about it, Dell said without a second thought. So our man here gets hired by one planet, then decides that maybe the other side could use his services as well. He ends up playing the two against each other for a little while, and makes out with double the cash to basically just chase his own tail. Eventually the two figure out what's going on, and he has to flee, but not before getting a substantial bounty placed on his head. And that's where we come in, Eve finished. Dell gave her a thumbs up. Where we come in to get killed, you mean, Zynab said aloud. We're going into this half-cocked, as usual, while Glimjet could be anywhere in the galaxy. He's probably either hiding on some backwater planet in the sticks, or holed up in a specially prepared base filled from one end to the other with traps. She leaned forward in her chair and steepled her hands together. You don't last long as a freelancer like him, without a strong sense of paranoia and skill. Zynab's words hung in the air as the others reflected on what she said. All except Dell, who scrolled through his personal tablet. 
Says here he's shacked up on Moray Hoat Station. Been there about a week and a half, by the looks of it. Probably going to try and smuggle himself on the Penningham Freighter, scheduled to leave in uh, three days. He looked up to see a group of faces, ranging from mild amusement to outright shock. Maybe sleeping wasn't the only reason I was late this morning, he said with a lopsided grin. Zynib stood up and launched into Dell with a deluge of questions. Who told you where he is? Can you even trust that information? How much is this costing us? And many more that Dell didn't catch. He threw his hands up in surrender. Calm down, he shouted over her. Sweet lord, girl, relax. Do you have to scrutinize every little thing I do? She stepped back toward her seat, but remained standing. I'm afraid if I don't, you'll end up killing us all. Again, with the lack of confidence in my captaining skills, he practically whined. You're just going to have to trust that my source is good. I know that doesn't get me too far with you, Z, but I hope that'll be good enough for the rest of you. Dell swept his gaze across the remainder of his crew. Absolutely, Eve snapped off immediately. Swift nodded his head solemnly. Of course we trust you, Delmar. You think we'd still be around after all these years if we didn't think your judgment was sound? I don't know, B. Rail said lazily. I think he's full of it. Probably just made all that stuff up to make himself look good. If it even is real, I wouldn't be surprised if we showed up to find out Glenjack had already left six weeks ago. Really, Rail, was all Barnack said. Thanks, Bar. You know what? Congratulations. You just replaced Rail for first mate, Dell quipped. There a way we can kick his brain out and give you control of the body permanently? I'm tired of all that insubordination I've been getting out of him recently. You try to kill the windbag in a day, Rail said, nonplussed by the sudden demotion. Hmm, you've got a point. You're reappointed as first mate, Rail. Sorry to get your hopes up, Bar, but he's right. I'd probably have to shoot you just to get a word in edgewise. Barnack brought his hand up towards his mouth in shock. I am by no means long-winded. You kind of are, Eve put in sheepishly. While she had the decency to sound a little bad about calling Barnack out, Dell didn't even consider using tact. You talk so long, Bar, that if I asked you for the time, it'd be off by three hours. Barnack took a large breath to educate his friends on how much of a windbag he was not. But Dell cut him off. Like I was saying earlier, we took a job to capture this wacko, and we're going to do it. We've got a place to start and a little time to work with. First thing we need to do when we get there is scout around. Look for the dives and rat holes a paranoid bomber would use as a hideout. Once we've got a lock on him, then we can start forming a plan to capture. He walked up to Eve and leaned over her shoulder. Set a course for Moray Hoat, done and done. We'll be there in a few hours. Making your own orders now? Dell said curiously. Well, I figured as soon as you mentioned where he was, that's where you wanted us to go. No reason to wait for the order when I know what it's going to be, right? She looked up at him with an innocent smile. This is how the insubordination starts, he said. First you start predicting my orders, then the next thing you know, my doors are welded shut and you lot are flying the ship to the nearest sex station. The only person that makes us go to those places is you, Zainab responded in a monotone voice. INSUBORDINATION! Getting into Moray Hoat was simple enough for the Glory Hound and her crew, especially with Zynib around. She changed into a worn and functional set of clothes, 
pulled her hair back into a ponytail, and removed most of her makeup, effectively changing her from the exacting mercenary liaison she was into an inexperienced and panicked ship pilot. Now dressed for the part, she spun Station Control's story about needing urgent repairs that had to be done off the record. Otherwise, she would lose her piloting job, and it was all she ever wanted to do since she was a little girl, and it would crush her entire family, etc., etc. With some tears and the promise of a few credits, they were allowed into the station, unlisted. They were even given an outdated dock for themselves. The controller said that was the best they could do. With a few sniffles, Zainab said she would make it work. Dell clapped slowly as Zainab walked past. Another fine performance, Zainab. Sure you don't want to quit the mercenary life and join up with the theater? I hear they give great benefits. Zainab gave Dell a withering look over her shoulder. I've thought about it, but the fear of you running around the unsupervised would keep me up at night. Now why don't you stop worrying about my acting and focus on your job, hmm? She didn't bother sticking around for an answer and continued on her way. Dell watched her leave and shook his head ruefully. One of these days, Z, he murmured to himself. You come back here in a few weeks, I might have some work for you, girly. Right now, though, I'm fresh out. I appreciate your consideration. If something comes up, please let me know. With a small nod, Zainab stepped out of the man's shop and back onto the street. While the artificial lights overhead had dimmed for the evening, the station was still bustling with activity. Zainab let the crowd guide her to another set of stores, seamlessly blending in thanks to another outfit change. Did this, this one have anything we could use? Zainab thought to her companion. Nothing. Swift thought back through the telepathic link he had created with her. He was, he was more, more focused, focused on you than Glinjack. Of, of course he was. was. Most, Most men's minds mind get stuck, stuck between their legs whenever a woman bothers to interact with them. them. A small grin appeared on Swift's face. That, that seems like, like an unfair, unfair generality. generality. Fine! She relented. You You've never treated me as anything less than an equal. Barnick is a gentleman through and through. I won't, I won't give my opinion on Rayo until, until I see him show any interest in something besides fighting or drinking. But, Dell. The thought was like a blast of cold wind across a dark and barren plain. I suppose your earlier comment does describe our captain to a certain degree. It doesn't just describe him, Swift. It is him. Nine out of ten times, that man will jump the first chance he gets to satisfy his urges. I think, I think six, six out of ten, ten times is more accurate. Swift amended diplomatically. It shouldn't it should be, be either, either of them. He, he runs an entire mercenary company, Swift. He should, he should focus, focus on leading instead of chasing whatever skirt flits past his eye. Swift tended to enjoy scouting duty with Zainab. On top of the interesting conversations they'd have, watching her manipulate the people around her was an impressive show to the straightforward monk. Connected with her mind as he was, he knew how truly annoyed she was at Dell, but it didn't show a bit on her face. She was all smiles and friendly banter as she spoke to a couple of locals inside, using a light touch here, a loud laugh there, whatever it took to ease herself into their confidence. While she was busy with that, Swift stood hidden in an alley, carefully watching the streets for any potential danger. He let his mind wander out, just enough to read intense. If he focused harder, he would have been able to hear the people's thoughts as well. But crowded as it was, it'd be like putting his ear to the ground during a stampede. This way, 
only a few people would stick out at a time. As it was, Zainab had nothing to fear. The biggest intent near her was from someone preparing to kill their boss the next day. Nothing that concerned Swift at the moment. What did draw his attention were three men trying to sneak up on him from deeper within the alley. With Zainab still inside, he decided to focus on his own situation. He spun on his heels to face the three. A pair of humans stood next to a bare-chested Trandorian, the heat from his red skin distorting the air around him slightly. He was obviously the smart one in the group, seeing as his knife was already in hand as he approached. Leaping into action first, Swift ran towards the group. His sudden movement froze the men mid-step. He utilized their hesitation to deliver an axe kick to the lead mugger. Swift's foot came down with a rush of air, followed by a resounding crack as it met the man's head. The momentum carried the man face down into the concrete, where he lay motionless for the remainder of the fight. His accomplice, now moving quickly, tried to lay Swift out with a haymaker. Even without his telepathy, Swift would have seen that blow coming. As he dodged the blow, Swift grabbed hold of the man's wrist with one hand and used the other to strike him in the solar plexus. The man doubled over, but was still in the fight. Grasping his wrist like he was, Swift dropped his body weight on his arm and pulled up. The two opposing motions caused the man's elbow to break with a snap that pierced through all the other noise. He stifled his screams as best he could as he crawled away, cradling the useless appendage. Compared to what station security would do to him if he were caught, a broken elbow was nothing. All that was left now was the Trandorian. He weighed his options as he watched the two men on the ground. Nervously, he passed the blade between his hands. Swift felt his mind royal with turmoil. One part screamed to run, but the other wanted to finish what they had started. It wasn't long before he reached his decision. With a final glare, the trained Dorian made his move. He came at Swift carefully, swinging the blade with his long arms to keep him at bay. As big as he was, Swift wasn't worried. Standing at just 5'3", Swift was used to being the underdog. The Trandorian was desperate to finish the fight quickly, and swung at Swift again and again. Swift, on the other hand, knew that Patience was his ally, and continued his careful dodging, making sure not to get cornered. His patience paid off when the Trandorian slipped on a small puddle of blood. He threw his arms out to maintain his balance. A fatal mistake. Swift jumped at the opportunity, literally, and landed an open palm strike into his face. The move resulted in a loud grunt and a torrent of blood from the Trandorian's nose. It was so bad he dropped the knife to try and stifle it. For his trouble, Swift kicked his knee out, dropping him low enough to land a series of brutal punches to the side of his face and neck. The last sound that came from the Trandorian was his body crashing loudly into a pile of garbage. Swift stood over the bodies, breathing slowly in, then out, giving his heart time to stop beating so rapidly. Swift, Swift we have a problem! problem. He heard shouted into his mind. Not wasting time to relax, Swift turned to rush out of the alley. Are you, Are you under, under attack, attack as well? well? Zainab appeared in front of him suddenly, forcing him to slide to a stop. Wait, what attack? She said aloud. He nodded his head backwards. Looking over the shorter man's shoulder, she surveyed the group of groaning bodies. Ah, that's what you mean. She pulled her attention away from them and looked at Swift. No, the problem is I saw Jenerick and his men on the street. It looks like they're looking for Glinjek as well, just not as friendly as we are. Swift pulled Zainab into the alley and eyed the streets. He didn't see the men in question, but he didn't doubt her. Del will not be happy, he thought. As Zainab explained the situation, 
Dell's mind recoiled as their simple job turned into a full-blown mess. All the plans he, Raylan Barnick, had been forming were now rendered moot. Glory, check the station's ship register. I want to know where Generic's ship is and when it got here. Then, get Mouse on the line. The ship's computer complied and began to contact Mouse. Hey, Dell, How's the hunt going? Mouse asked through the ship's speakers. Not great, he responded angrily. You reserved this job when it came up, didn't you? Yeah, of course I did, he said with some indignation. I even paid Comb a little extra to make sure no one got wind of it. Well, you better get that little extra back. Check the listing now. A few keystrokes later, and Mouse realized what Dell was talking about. Ah, shoot. I think I see the problem now. I'm glad we're on the same page, Dell spat. It doesn't make sense, though. Cole wouldn't just screw us like that. I bet it wasn't voluntary. Generic probably had some of his guys put the screw to him. For the amount of credits this job is pulling in, I doubt he bothered to let a few rules stop him from trying to get his own slice of the pie. Rail explained. Threaten all he wants. Generic can't do anything to Colm, Zainab said matter-of-factly. The man is too useful to too many mercenaries. If anything happens to stop him from doing his job, half the station would be after Generic and his whole crew. What do you want me to do? Mouse put in after a moment of silence. Like I said, get our money back. I'm not paying for a job he can't do, especially if that means I've got to deal with Generic now. Will do. And tell him if he does something like this again, I'll blast that vintage Terran motorcycle he's so fond of into a thousand pieces, Dell added. A click followed shortly after as Mouse went to work. How are we going to deal with this? Zainab asked. We're going to need to change our initial plans. It won't be possible for us to search for Glinja covertly with Generic's crew out there. Forget that they'll recognize us on sight, but they won't bother with subtlety. They'll shake down every person they find, break down any door in their way, and just act as the ruffians we all know them as. Glinjek will dig in deep until the last minute. Just you watch, Barnick said, vocalizing Dell's own thought process. So that means we'll have to try and catch him when he's on the way to the freighter. Any chance you've had a premonition about that, Swift? Zainab turned to him, hopefully, but he shook his head. Damn. Then we'll figure out which route he'll take into the dock. There can't be that many ways, then, Rael pointed out. There aren't, Eve said. She tapped her controls and the hollow projector pulled up the station's blueprints for everyone to see. I've been studying the station's schematics, trying to figure out where Glinjek might be hiding, and found these. Three different entrances to the docks lit up on the map. Each one of these is protected in one way or another from the public. Which means we should be there waiting for him, Zainab stated, eyeing one entrance in particular. I think I'll take this one. It's in an abandoned neighborhood with plenty of spaces to hide out in. On top of that... He won't have to worry about anyone stumbling into him while he tries to get into the dock. Couldn't have said it better myself, Zainab. You and Swift find somewhere to post up. I don't have to tell you you're just spotting here, right, Zainab? His question was met with an annoyed glare, but she didn't fight him on the arrangement, which was as close to a yes as he was going to get. Rayon Barnek, you'll take Eve with you to this one. He pointed to one entrance that was out of a particularly bad neighborhood, the kind you didn't enter unless fully armed. Be careful with her, you two. She's got even less combat experience than Zainab does. I'm not a helpless little girl, you know, Eve said, defending herself. Maybe so, but you're also not a trained soldier. She'll be fine, Rail rumbled out. Dell wanted to emphasize the point more, but the look Rail gave him showed that he meant what he said. You're, you're taking, taking the last entrance alone, alone, Swift stated. Looks like I'm gonna have to. 
Unless there's a, another crew member on this ship I don't know about. He paused to let the aforementioned mystery crewmate introduce themselves, but no one stepped out of the shadows. With a sigh, he continued. And I guess I'm doing this one solo. It'll be fine, though. There's plenty of high ground for me to hold, and with rifle in hand, Glinjek won't be much trouble. Besides, this one is right off a major thoroughfare that sees hundreds of people a day. I'll do my due diligence, but I'll mostly be waiting to assist whoever spots him. Del clapped his hands together. Let's get moving, people. I want us all in position by the end of the day. Okay, gang, the Penningham's lifting off in 20. Any sign of our terrorist for hire? Dell asked into the comms. Neither us nor Eve have spotted anything, Barnick said, responding first. I'm almost afraid to say it, but he might have decided to try and escape another day. I doubt it. There isn't another ship like this scheduled to arrive for at least a month. It'd be too hard to sneak onto a smaller ship, and with the bounty as big as it is on his head, there's no way he'll try to bribe someone for a ride. Zainab said quickly, partly in answer to Barnack's comments, but also to assuage her own fears. That makes enough sense to me, Eve said. Not that I'm claiming to know how a paranoid wacko like Glinjack thinks. Don't worry, kid. We'll get that paranoia to set in soon enough, Dal said as he continued to look up and down the street through his rifle scope. He'd had to threaten a few bums to clear the roof, but otherwise he'd found his perch without incident. I'm sure there's was all Zainab got out before the sound of an explosion in the air. Dell jerked his gaze from the street below towards the sound's origin. A column of smoke started to climb into the air from the west, followed by the automated fire suppression system. Where'd that happen? Dell asked as he continued to watch the aftermath of the explosion. The ventilation was already beginning to draw the smoke out. It seems the blast originated in the southwestern district. It's home to transients and temporary citizens. It's where most of the visiting ship crews will stay at. Seems like the perfect place for a distraction, Zainab commented. Yes, with all the visitors housed there, and their ignorance of station emergency protocols, if they even qualify as such here, then it's a perfect place to sow chaos. Glinjek was probably hiding out there, Del thought aloud. If we're lucky, that explosion was generic tripping a trap and dying horribly. You think our luck's that good? Rails stated more than asked. Of course not, Dell said as he peeled his eyes away from the excitement and back to the street. Almost everyone was busy looking towards the explosion and talking amongst themselves. A few carried on their way, but one in particular drew Dell's eye. The person in question was hidden under a baggy set of clothes, the hood drawn over their head, blocking Dell's view. The way they pushed forward, not even glancing at the people around them, made Dell suspicious. I've got eyes on something here. Us too, Eve said. Someone just plowed through a group of gawkers. Rail and Barnack are already heading over to get a closer look. Swift got wind of something and took off. Zainab huffed into the calm, clearly in the middle of running. I'm trying to keep up, but they're moving too fast. Do what you can, Zainab, but hang back. Dell continued to watch the bundled shape move, with the others already after their own targets. Dell couldn't help but feel like this was another distraction. Something to make them zig when they should have zagged. Just as he was about to shift his gaze away, the shapes stumbled. Their arms flew forward to catch themselves while the hood fell backwards. Dell's sights filled with the balding head and pale skin of Glinjack Ka. Dell wasted no time and leapt off the roof. The rope attached to his waist went taut as the repelling gear activated, 
His free fall became a controlled descent halfway to the ground. By then, Glinjek had donned his hood and continued heading for the dock entrance. Since the reward on Glinjek was larger alive than dead, Dell's rifle was loaded with non-lethal rounds. At close range they could kill, but from where Dell was shooting from, the worst Glinjek would have to deal with was a broken bone. Dell's heartbeat filled his ears as he took aim. His breathing steadied, and his arms held on tight as he prepared his shot. A shot to the back would knock him to the ground long enough for Dell to get closer and restrain him. From there, it would be easy to sneak him onto the hound. Unfortunately for Dell, nothing goes as planned. A second before he pulled the trigger, the belay caught a snag in the rope. The sudden jerk turned what would have been a direct hit into a grazing shot against his shoulder. Glinjek darted into the alley and searched for the shot's origin. He spotted Dell, belaying down the side of the building, rifle still in hand, cursing the miss. Glinjek's lips curled back, showing off his sharpened teeth in a vicious hiss, before skewing subtlety and rushing towards his salvation. I've got eyes on Glinjek! He's got two lot chasing decoys! Grab them if you can, but get to the hangar! With Glinjek moving like he was, Dell needed to get to the ground quickly, and that meant only one thing. He grimaced to himself before slapping the quick-release button on his waist. The fall took longer than expected, and fear briefly gripped at him, but his body knew what to do. Knees bent and toes down, Dell landed safely on his feet, but safety did not equate to painlessness. A shockwave of pain ran from the soles of his feet up into his back, causing him to grit his teeth as his vision blackened from the pain. Unwilling to spend the time checking for any lasting damage, Dell holstered his rifle and broke out in a sprint. Several people stood in Dell's way as he ran. He did his best to clear them out politely. Get out of the way or get shot! A pair of men were shoved to the ground and a woman screamed shrilly, but otherwise the people gave him a wide berth. As more people cleared out, Dell got a better look at Glinjek. He'd thrown off the baggy hoodie to reveal his pale torso and a bandolier with several fist-sized objects that bounced against his thin chest. Dell pumped his legs and arms faster, doing what he could to gain ground. Luckily for him, Life as a paranoid terrorist didn't do much for Glinjek's stamina, and the distance between them was shrinking rapidly. At about 10 meters, Glinjek made his move. He yanked one of the objects off his belt and tossed it behind his back. Not willing to let it land, Dell pulled his pistol from his holster and fired. This time, the shot was perfect, and punched through the object midway between them. What followed was an explosion that bathed the street in fire. The people that weren't smart enough to have cleared the area screamed in a mixture of fear and pain as the flames consumed whatever they could. Dell slid to a stop, trying to cover his face from the wall of flames in front of him. Glimjack took a moment to survey the destruction with an ugly sneer before reaching the door and slipping into the dock. Careful with the decoys! Dell shouted into his mic, trying to find a way around the fire. They probably got explosives on them! They didn't have explosives, they were the explosives! Eve yelled back. When Rail had Arkai cornered, he threw himself at Rail to blow them both up! Rail was able to toss him away, but he still took out part of a building! I haven't been able to get a hold of Rail since! The panic in her voice was rapidly descending into hysteria. Dell didn't have time to calm his pilot down. Pull it together, Eve! Rail and Barnett can handle themselves. Zynab, what have you got? Same story here, Zynab said, though her voice was far more controlled than Eve's. The only difference is that Swift was able to disarm him before anything happened. We've questioned him, and it sounds like Glinjek took his family hostage, which explains why he was willing to die for that scum. We'll try and make our way back to the hangar, but it looks like the station's security is rounding everyone up. Get away from them and round up Eve. I'll handle Glinjek. Before he could hear his crew's response, the station's fire suppression system activated above him. First came the alarm, 
followed by what felt like a small lake's worth of water being dropped on both him and the fire. The crush of water shoved him down to one knee, smashing it painfully against the ground. A grunt tried to escape his lips, but the water choked it off. The artificial deluge continued for several more moments before finally letting up. With no more fire in his way, and soaking wet, he got back to his feet and limped through the pain. By the time he reached the door, he was able to move normally. He yanked it open to an unexpected wave of chaos. Generic and his crew were blasting away at a stack of containers, while half their ship was covered in flames behind them. As their barrage continued, an explosion went off near them. The shockwave sent a number of them tumbling before they turned to fire at a new location. It seemed like someone pieced together Glinjek's escape plan and told Generic. And in his usual fashion, he just threw men and bullets at the problem. Clearly Glinjek was proving that plan was a mistake, as another blast scattered his men. Dell couldn't help but smile as he grabbed his rifle and moved towards the Penningham's dock. He'd let them work out their differences for now, while he prepared to block Glinjek's escape. The gunfire calmed to a few random pops by the time Dell found a spot to hide. Generic could be heard cursing out his crew and commanding them to get back into the fight. Another explosion shut him up. Dell watched as he tried to get over some debris to get to the relative safety of his still burning ship. Posted up behind an upturned tool desk, Dell sighted Generic with his rifle. He contemplated taking the shot and knocking him on his ass, but decided revealing his position wasn't the best option. Instead, he watched the open space that Glinjek would have to clear to make it up to the freighter's gangplank. The lights along its side began rotating, as locks sealed and air pressure was equalized inside. The pneumatics below the freighter hissed as they lowered it from the hangar towards the airlock. If Glinjek didn't make his move soon, the ship would be gone, leaving him trapped in a station he seemed intent on burning down. A third of the Penningham was through the hole before he made his move. Sprinting forward with everything he had, Glinjek made his way to the freighter. Dell calmly drew a bead on him. Unlike last time, there was nothing to disturb his shot. He gauged his target speed, led a bit, and fired. The rubber bullet flew through the air at over 3,000 feet per second and collided with Glinjek right into the side. The force of the blow would have been like a punch from a wrecking ball. He slid across the dock's cold metal ground for several meters before coming to a stop, where he laid in a crumpled mess. Dell walked over to him carefully. His finger held just above the trigger. The freighter was gone now, leaving nothing but an empty dock behind. Glinjek was trapped, and Dell couldn't help but think of cornered animals. He was almost a meter away now, and Glinjek was barely moving. A trickle of blood came out of his mouth as he lay on the ground, clutching his side in the fetal position. Dell looked at his pallid chest and noted the empty bandolier. Without the explosives, Dell didn't think he'd be able to cause much harm. Dell lifted the rifle up towards the ceiling. As he was about to check in on the crew, Glinjek rolled on his back and threw a large knife into Dell's shoulder. Ah! He grunted, taking several steps back. He tried to bring his gun to bear, but Glinjek was already on him. You think this is the only way out I've got? He hissed at him as the two wrestled for the rifle. It was only the easiest. I'll be out of here in minutes. After I kill you, that is. Dell was doing all he could to hold him back, but with the knife in his shoulder, he knew he wouldn't last long. So he tried something unexpected, and let go of the rifle. No longer holding him back, Glinjek pulled the rifle into his chest and stumbled backwards. Dell charged forward and punched him in the same side that had been shot earlier. Glinjek gasped, and Dell tried to follow up with another blow. Awaiting the strike, Glinjek struck Dell's arm down with the butt of his rifle. Glinjek brought it up once more and cracked Dell on the chin. His teeth slammed painfully into one another as he was lifted off the ground, 
only to come back down just as painfully on his back. When his eyes fluttered back open, he was looking down the barrel of his own rifle. I'm not one for guns, Glinchek hissed. The margin for error is too great. But I suppose beggars can't be choosers. He pulled the trigger. But nothing happened. It clicked several more times before Dell spoke up. Biometric scanner on the hilt. She only fires for me. Glinjek brought the rifle up high in the air above Dell's head. That may be, but I don't think the scanner will stop me from bashing your skull in. Nah, but I will. Glinjek spun his head around to catch a massive scaled fist to the jaw. The rifle clattered to the ground as Glinjek went sailing. He tried to twist and land on his feet, but his balance was clearly off. He tripped over his legs and went down. Rail followed after him quickly. He yanked him up by the empty bandolier and delivered a pair of thundering blows to his head. Glinjek made a weak slash at Rail with his claws, but his scales protected him. One more punch, and Glinjek was out for good. Rail bound his hands behind his back and tossed him towards Dell, who still lay on the ground. Quite a mess we got here, Rail said as he surveyed the damage from the earlier fighting. Station security was already rounding up Jenrick's crew, with a few more headed their way. Think we can pull double duty on this one? You know, give the station Glinjek, then just take a little souvenir for the planets? I'd be happy, Dell said with a grunt of effort trying to stand, if we just didn't get blamed for this. Guess we'll find out, won't we? Rail said, giving the two armed security members a predatory grin. I'm never letting Mouse pick a job again. Tales to the Void is a collection of stories written and performed by Jake Conflitti. Music and production by Robert Labney. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Until next time.